I'm going to speak on great thoughts or thoughts of great beings. Sometimes when we meditate, practicing Vipassana meditation, people might wonder what should we do with thoughts and is, are there any thoughts that we should cultivate or should we get rid of all thoughts and uh, empty the mind. Our purpose of course is not to empty the mind. Empty-mindedness is not something we want to do purposely, it, can, it may happen. <coughs> we are cultivating mindfulness, not mind emptiness. <laughs> Therefore there has to be some contents in the mind. There are eight uh, beautiful thoughts which are considered to be the thoughts of great beings and which we are supposed to cultivate. Perhaps not in meditation uh, practice like this, but they inevitably arise in the mind when the mind is uh, settled, calm, quiet and peaceful. And there are certain attributes, qualities to those beautiful thoughts. That is why they are called Mahapurusha Vitaka. Mahapurusha means great beings. Vitaka means thoughts. Those who have uh, studied Pali may already have come across the word vitakka. Vitakka has been translated into English as uh, initial application of thought in uh, tranquility meditation practice. That is not the kind of thought we are talking about. These are some different type of thoughts. Initial application of thought refers to initially applying the mind to the object of meditation to gain concentration. The thought, great thought that I'm trying to talk on tonight cannot be cultivated uh, with uh, absorption concentrated state of mind. <clears throat> the first thought, first great thought is called uh, thought of uh, wanting little. In Pali it's called 
Apichasayang dhammo, nayang dhammo, mahichasa. This dhamma of the Buddha is meant for those who want little, those who desire a little, not too much. Pavivitta, no, apicca is a necessity, apicca means uh, wanting little, is a necessity to understand the truth, the Dhamma, when somebody is uh, always engaged in uh, uh, trying to acquire things all the time, uh, that individual may not have any state or frame of mind to free it from wanting, from acquiring, accumulating. We always accumulate things. Most of the time we accumulate are not necessary. We accumulate not only uh, uh, necessary things, but a lot of unnecessary things. A uh, lot of material things we accumulate. One who is uh, engaged in accumulation uh, will not have time to devote to know, the time to uh, devote to the practice of uh, freeing the mind from wanting. We accumulate even ideas, opinions, theories, beliefs, and expand our uh, knowledge. The more we accumulate, the more ignorant we will be. One of the factors, there are various uh, aspects of ignorance. Nine of them are listed in texts. One function of ignorance is that it forces the mind to become greedy, to accumulate things. And therefore you can see the connection between greed and ignorance. We will feed, sustain, nourish both greed and ignorance when we continue to engross, engage in accumulating things. And therefore this Dhamma we may not be able to understand. Dhamma here means the truth, the reality, which is not uh, created by somebody. Dhamma exists by itself all the time. And yet we may not understand them if we do not reduce our wanting. Therefore the Buddha said this Dhamma can be understood by one, by some, by those who, whose uh, needs, whose uh, wanting, desires are less.
And that's a thought. That's a great thought. And that is one thing we try to cultivate in meditation. Wanting little. We don't want to cultivate too much greed. And that is another aspect of letting go of things. In meditation, we let go of our clinging to various things. That in itself is a thought. In ultimate sense, when that thought is fully cultivated and perfected, that thought is called renunciation, thought of renunciation, which is mentioned in the Noble Eightfold Path as a right thought. And we, are, we will not be able to cultivate it if we go against that practice and cultivate our greed. Second thought is Santutta Santutta means contentment. This Dhamma can be understood by someone who is content, can be pleased with whatever one has. It is one of the important um, attributes, characteristics of uh, renunciant. You may have uh, read uh, Metta Sutta, Sutra called Sutta on Loving Kindness in Pali. One of the characteristics of cultivating loving kindness or making life easy and simple is to have few duties, few uh, wantings, Contentment. Santusa kocha subharocha. Santusa means uh, to be able to be pleased oneself with few things. Regarding such, a, regarding that uh, quality, there's a very beautiful statement in uh, Sutta Nipata that. Uh, when a renunciant, a monk or a nun, goes on Pindapatha, collecting food, going from house to house, it is said that when he or she goes to a house and stands in front of the house, and if that person receives very small, very little quantity, morsel of food, that individual would think it's good that I receive very little today. I don't have to eat too much to fill my stomach. I can spend that time in meditation. This is very good. Comes back and eats that little food. If next day when the person goes for collecting food, that individual gets nothing then the person would say, it is good that I did not get anything. So that I don't have any time, I, I don't have to spend any time in eating. So that even that, that time I can spend in meditation. That is called contentment in a very pure sense. Especially um, renunciants as they are, dependent upon others, 
they have to be that, they have to have that kind of attitude, that kind of state of mind, contentment, in order to make their lives peaceful and happy. We are not asking all of you to be that way, but that is an, that is the idea. Just imagine if somebody can be pleased with very little things. How simple, how beautiful, how pleasant that life can be and most conduce you to the practice of meditation. There's a thought to cultivate, a great thought, thought of a great being. Pavivitta sayang dhammo nayang dhammo sanghanikarama that is the third great thought. Pavivitta means uh, seclusion. There are three types of, uh, two types of seclusion, no, three types of seclusion. One is called Kaya Viveka, physical seclusion, going from uh, crowded area to less crowded area. to the woods, to the woods, to the forest, empty house, place where there are not too many people living. That is physical seclusion. Of course, that, it's, that alone is not enough. It doesn't matter where we go, we carry our Lord with us and we work on it. And whatever continue to bug us, bother us while we were sitting in the, living in the city, can continue to do so even when we go to a secluded area. And therefore we need the second kind of seclusion, which is called Chitta Viveka. Chitta Viveka means uh, seclusion of the mind. Seclusion of the mind is the mind should be free from various psychic irritations. Third seclusion is called upadhi viveka. Upadhi means uh, aggregates, clinging to aggregates. Those who attain enlightenment are of two categories. One is called sa upadhi sesa nibbana, and the other is called anupadhisesa nibbana. In both places the word upadhi is used. Upadhi means uh, uh, the aggregates, five aggregates, or clinging to five aggregates. The word comes from the, from this noun comes from the same root, da, to cling. So, Sir uh, Upadhi means with the five aggregates form, feeling, perception, mental activities, and consciousness. These are five aggregates. When one attains enlightenment at a certain age in life, maybe someone attains the enlightenment at the age of uh, 50 
that the individual will continue to exist with five aggregates. Although the mind is liberated, the person's person continues to live until the lifespan is over. And that attainment of enlightenment is therefore called Upadisesa Nibbana. When that individual passes away, final passing away takes place of that individual, that final passing away is called Anupadisesa. No more aggregates exists. Therefore, the word upadhi is in some places used for uh, aggregates. Upadhi viveka in the in the third uh, isolation or third uh, freedom. Uh, in the third freedom, the word upadhi is used for clinging to the five aggregates. So there are three types of uh, seclusion. One is physical seclusion, second is mental seclusion, third is seclusion from, separation from, clinging, craving, grasping to these five aggregates. That is what is called ideal solitude. Ideal solitude uh, is the solitude without any clinging, craving in the mind. It is said Eka Vihari na Dutiya Vihari Buddhas used this, uh, these two phrases to describe someone who is totally free from psychic irritations. Someone may be living in a and Buddha explained in this situation, he said, someone may be living in a city and still be alone. Not lonely, but alone. Someone may be living in the forest, separated from the society, may still have a second, a companion, Dutiya, Sir Dutiya Vihari. Buddha said. Saddutiya, the second or the companion of that individual is that individual's greed, attachment, clinging to something. One who does not have that clinging attachment to anything and totally independent, free from all psychic irritations is living an ideal solitude, ideally solitary life, and therefore that is called ideal solitude. So even though someone has, uh, someone lives in a society with, in a in a crowd, that person will so, will totally be liberated, living alone, and that is the ideal solitude. So that is the third great thought. That means uh, one who has that thought can understand this Dhamma. So Buddha said, uh, uh, 
Pavita Sayan Dhammo, Nayan Dhammo, Sanghanikarama. So this Dhamma can be understood by one who is inclined to be solitary, inclined to be away from the society, from hustle bustle activities, not along with uh, various type of uh, activities. You may ask questions, I'm sure you may have a lot of questions. When I say these things, I, I don't want to spend uh, answering your unasked questions. Uh, I want you to ask questions, then we can, we can discuss this in detail. The fourth is uh, um, Pavivitta Sayandhamu Nayandhamu Sanganikaramasa Aradha viriyasayandhammo nayandhammo kusitasa. This dhamma can be understood by someone who is perseverant, energetic, active, not someone who is lazy, lethargic. The perseverant person is always engaged in trying to understand the Dhamma. Somebody may be active in various things. That may, that type of act, uh, busyness uh, engaged in various things to uh, spend energy may not bring him any understanding of Dhamma. But someone who spent time in uh, trying to understand Dhamma can understand Dhamma. What one has to do to understand Dhamma? One must uh, with uh, uh, deep commitment, determination, must work hard in the practice of meditation, that individual can understand Dhamma. Uh, then the, the next right thought is uh, Santutta Sayandhammo Nayandhammo Asantutta Se Pavivitta Sayandhammo Nayandhammo Sanganikarama Se Aradhviriya Sayandhammo Nayandhammo Kusita Se Upatthita Satis Sayandhammo Nayandhammo Mutta Satis Se This Dhamma can be understood by one who is mindful. Upatthita Sati means one who is always mindful. Not today mindful, not tomorrow unmindful. One who is always mindful. That individual can understand the Dhamma. We may talk more about mindfulness when you have questions. Upadita uh, Sati and Mutta Sati. 
Upadita sati means sati is present in our mind all the time. Sati is one of the mental factors which uh, is not present all the time. We tend to uh, forget things. Upadita sati means the mindfulness, the memorizing, remembering, reminding factor is always active. Reminding factor means uh, we must first try to, we must first know or remember uh, our uh, uh, predicament, our existentialistic problem we always must remember we must remember that we live a most blessed life that is human life nothing greater than human life and we live that life therefore every minute every second in this life is very important and we have to use it meaningfully And uh, we should not uh, lose the opportunity of making use of this wonderful life. That we must remember all the time. To make use of this life meaningfully, we must try to understand the Dhamma. Only those who understand Dhamma can make the make can make uh, this life uh, uh, more meaningful, profitable. And that is one of the things that the mindfulness uh, does to us. It reminds us our situation, our place. Friends, Buddha said to be born as a human being is not a very easy thing. Although we take it for granted, we always talk about billions of people living in the world. That compared to other beings living in this planet is not that great. To be born as a human being with all the senses perfect, in good condition. See how fortunate we are. There are so many beings in the, among human beings who are not as fortunate as we are. The senses are not intact. There are many, many human beings whose uh, senses are very, uh, unfortunately, are not uh, functioning properly. And therefore, those who have their old faculties complete must feel that they are very fortunate and make use of that life in right way. And the mindfulness reminds us that. And those are the individuals who understands, understand the Dhamma. Then, Panyavantasayandhammo, uh, Nayandhammo, Dupanyasa, the seventh factor. This Dhamma can be understood by the wise, not by the unwise. The Dhamma of the Buddha is very difficult for. Uh, people who uh, 
have no insight, wisdom to understand. Even when Buddha, after attainment of enlightenment, uh, first he himself was reluctant to teach the Dhamma. He attained enlightenment, enlightenment to, teach, to teach the Dhamma. It is said he spent uh, eons and eons and eons practicing all kinds of perfections in order to attain enlightenment, to teach the Dhamma to the world. But after attainment of enlightenment, when he surveyed the world, the minds of people with his supernatural mind, with his enlightened mind, he surveyed the minds of other people. He found, how can I teach this Dhamma to these people who are so much engrossed, immersed in uh, greed, hatred and confusion? How can I teach the Dhamma? How can they understand this Dhamma? Finally, he thought, well, there are beings with little dust in their eyes. Perhaps they may wipe that little dust from their eyes and understand the Dhamma, see the truth. Therefore, for their benefit, let me go out and teach the Dhamma. And that is why he said, Ekapuggulu loke upajjamanu upajjasti bahujana hitaya Bahujana Sukhaya, Bahuno Janasta Attahita Sukhaya De Manusanam. An individual will appear in the world for the benefit of many. For the benefit of many humans, many divine beings. He did not say this individual, this extraordinary individual appears in the world for the benefit of everybody, for the benefit of all. He did not say that. He said for the benefit of many. That has a very good meaning. If he said he, an, an enlightened person appears in the world for the benefit of everybody, that is not true, true not correct. Not everybody benefits from the Dhamma. Not everybody understands the Dhamma. How many millions of billions of people in the world who even does not, do not know a word of Dhamma? Some people hate the Dhamma. They never want to learn the Dhamma. The very word Dhamma turns them off. And Buddha knew this. And he said, therefore, such a person exists, comes into existence for the benefit of many. Of course, many have been benefited, understood the Dhamma. And those are the many who have wisdom, insight, which comes freely, not by force. Nobody can force insight into somebody, wisdom into somebody. It must come within themselves on their own effort. So therefore he said, this Dhamma can be understood by the wise, not by the unwise. Pachattang Veditabho Vinyuhi, he said, this Dhamma can be understood by wise individuals by themselves in their own life, individually. Then he said, uh, 
ఫైనలీ నిప్ప పంచారామసాయంధము నిప్ప పంచ రతినో నాయంధము పపంచారామస పపంచరతినో దిస్ ధమ్మ ఈజ్ ఫోర్ దోస్ హూస్ మైండ్స్ ఆ ఫ్రీ ఫ్రమ్ కన్సెప్చువల్ ప్రొలిఫరేషన్స్ నోట్ దోస్ హూస్ మైండ్ ఆ ఫీల్డ్ విత్ కన్సెప్చువల్ ప్రొలిఫరేషన్స్ this is what the what is most important all others are important uh uh samahita that eight eight is samahita sandhamo nandamo asamahita this term can be understood by one by those who have concentration not those who don't have concentration now when we have concentration with the concentrated state of mind we begin to see things exactly as they are so buddha said in another place samahitam yathabhutam pajanati samahita means concentrated mind yathabhutam pajanati sees things exactly as they are and that is another thing we try to do in this meditation practice we gain little concentration using that concentration we begin to see exactly things exactly as they are without any distortion any prejudices and biases concentrated mind can see things exactly like when uh, like um, uh, a scientist wants to see an object a scientist uh, would put the object in front of him or her and using a uh, uh, microscopic lens align the my the eyes the microscopic lens and the object these three must be aligned and then only can the scientist see the object exactly as it is if the if the scientist uh, uh, move the eyes or move the lens or move the object that individual cannot see the object exactly as it is without moving the object without moving the lens without moving the eyes one must focus these three these two right on the object to see what the, see the correct behavior of the object the correct contents of the object the composition of the object to collect data the record similarly when the mind is concentrated not absorption concentration mind you when mind is concentrated with um, momentary concentration this is the important thing in vipassana meditation with momentary concentration that concentration can see things exactly as they are 
Why momentary concentration is so important? Because things exist by moments. Things change every moment. And therefore, moment by moment, our concentration must flow with the changing moments. The concentration must flow with the changing objects, with the changing moment, in order to see the object of the thing exactly as it is, as they, exactly as they are. Therefore, Buddha said, samahitasayangdhammo nayangdhammo asamahitasa, concentrated individual can understand this dhamma, not unconcentrated individual. It is very simple. We all know in our daily life, uh, for us to understand anything, we have to have a degree of concentration. Otherwise we don't understand anything. And the last point, as I mentioned, is uh, when we have a lot of uh, conceptual jargon, conceptual proliferations, we cannot understand the Dhamma because we get carried away with concepts, ideas. Only those who are inclined to free the mind from concepts can understand the Dhamma. Because Dhamma is not a concept. It is the reality. It exists by itself. By the way, the word Dhamma means that which subsists by itself. That which exists by itself. Dhareti Dhamma. That is the definition of Dhamma. That which uh, exists by itself, independent of anybody else. And therefore it is not a concept. We can never reach the truth through concepts. Concepts help us to communicate, to discuss, to express, for others to understand. For our own understanding, individual understanding, we don't need concept. This is another reason why I uh, suggest uh, meditators not to uh, use concept, not to use labels uh, on their experience. When you experience something, don't conceptualize it, don't label it, just focus the mind on the object that is your experience, so you can see the object, the experience, exactly as it is. When you put a label, when you put a concept, a word, name, the mind will hold on to the label, the name, the concept. Buddha said in uh, one place, the concepts are thorns. You know, thorns are not very pleasant things. They always pricks and makes it painful. 
He said, concepts are wounds which create pain. Concept, he said, is a sickness which brings pain, discomfort. And therefore Buddha said, don't hang on to concepts. Leave them aside. Move on, peeling the concepts off to see the truth, the reality, as it is, without concepts. In inside meditation, that's what uh, we try to do. We recognize, we mentally become aware of our experiences, whatever it is. We become aware of the experience. And that awareness is what we want to cultivate when we, for instance, when we are greedy, we know that greedy state of mind. And we become aware of it, recognize it. And we don't have to say, this is greed, 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 greed. We know what it does from our experience. Only when we try to explain the nature of greed, we use words. Hatred is, a, is an experience, a thought. When it arises, we know what it is. How we feel when we hate, when we resent uh, somebody or something, some opinion or something, we feel it, we know it, we experience it, and directly become aware of that state of mind. When the mind is confused, we don't have to say the mind is confused. We simply become aware of that confused state of mind. So, removing these uh, concepts, we move forward to realization to understanding the truth and reality. I like to um, conclude my short talk on these four, eight uh, great thoughts. And now I uh, like you to ask me questions. Uh, how would you define How do I define mindfulness? Mindfulness is a state of mind that uh, state of mind free from greed, hatred and delusion. Uh, that we cultivate or repeatedly develop uh, to keep the mind uh, to look at things uh, without uh, greed, hatred and delusion. That, that, that means very pure state of mind. A state of mind which is 
uh, not uh, uh, distorted by greed, hatred and delusion. That state of mind is called mindfulness, mindful state. Experiencing the world without any additional thought on our thought, right. additional projections or labels. Right. Experiencing, uh, when we say experiencing the world, uh, what we should be, what we should mean, is experiencing the things that we experience through our senses. They may be external or internal. Uh, actually they are more subjective than objective. Objective world uh, uh, we carry in our memory most of the time. For instance, when we are all alone by ourselves in a certain place, the world uh, is not going to affect our mind. But what we have already taken into the mind through our senses can continue to uh, affect our mind. Therefore, in uh, Vipassana training, mindfulness training, we don't go after the things in the world outside our senses. We go into the things that we have already taken into the mind. And when they begin to appear over and over again, we watch them without prejudices and biases. And that state is called watching things mindfully. In fact, uh, let me change my tape. And that state also is called Yoniso Manasikara. Buddha said Yoniso Manasikara. Uh, given. So one factor conditions the next, and that conditions the other, and so on. So when we said the ignorance conditions volitional activities, somebody asked me, what conditions ignorance? Where does ignorance come from? So, ignorance comes from unmindfulness. Ayoniso manasikara. When we are unmindful, we nourish our ignorance. We let it grow. And unmindfully we think, unmindfully we speak, unmindfully we uh, behave. Uh, all these three avenues help ignorance to grow. Today, tomorrow, day after tomorrow, or the last uh, few minutes 
or five minutes, hour, last yesterday, day before yesterday, last year or previous life and so forth, uh, it uh, uh, perpetuates. Ignorance is perpetuated, supported by uh, being unmindful. So when we cultivate mindfulness, we directly attack ignorance. Therefore, mindfulness is the factor which is uh, clean, pure and simple, free from greed, hatred and delusion. And therefore, when we take the stuff that we have within ourselves and uh, use them, we have to use them, we have to look at them with the state of mind free from greed, hatred and delusion. Why is, I call it free from prejudices, biases, with 100% honesty. When we say 100% honesty, we become honest with ourselves, sincere with ourselves. Uh, we should not be biased and prejudiced against ourselves. That means whenever we like certain things, uh, whether it is right or wrong, we become attached to it and we become biased. When we don't like certain things, may not be necessarily outside things, but in, in our own state of mind, when we don't like certain things, we uh, try to uh, uh, cheat our mind. Our mind can cheat us, deceive us. And um, we continue to live like that. So when we cultivate mindfulness, we don't do that. We look at the experience within ourselves straight. So the mindfulness, uh, most fundamental uh, or simplest definition of mindfulness is the state of mind, which uh, of course is made up of uh, attention, uh, pure attention, uh, free from greed, hatred and delusion. Hmm. You're going to ask a question? Yeah? Now that gentleman? Yeah. I was just, uh, I was going to ask you to go through a, <coughs> a, a transition, a uh, transition of the internal working of one of us going meditating, <clears throat> a transition from uh, mindfulness of the breath to uh, towards some deeper realization. That's a very tough journey, <laughs> going through, <laughs> going from mindfulness of breathing, breathing to um, other uh, processes uh, internally. Huh? It's a tough one. A few lifetimes. Excuse me? A few lifetimes. Exactly. A few lifetimes. Uh, but there has to be a, uh, 
a way to lead us even through several lifetimes in order to reach the goal through the practice of mindfulness, through the practice of mindfulness of breathing and so forth. This is a very involved question if I... I don't want to spend all uh, this evening explaining what this, that process. Mindfulness of breathing uh, is a very uh, profound way of looking at uh, our internal journey. Because when we become mindful of the breathing, we begin to uh, see within ourselves uh, the, the process of changing the breathing. And that change um, is not limited only to breathing. In, the, um, in our other physical body, physical parts also are involved with the breathing. Every time we breathe in and out, we know the uh, every minute part in our body inside is changing as we have these two uh, respirations, external respiration, internal respiration. When uh, we all know external respiration, but uh, internal respiration is exchanging oxygen with carbon dioxide inside the uh, tiny, minute uh, cells in the body. And that takes place because of the... When that takes place, there is a change. Cells must change, carbon dioxide must be taken, must be replaced by uh, oxygen. And uh, that is one process. And because of that process within ourselves in the body, uh, there is uh, uh, new cells uh, always uh, coming into existence and all cells passing away, dying. So that, can, that is the second process of change. Uh, third process of change is the mental uh, part. Uh, as we know, all our uh, neurons in the mind, in the brain, uh, also are changing in the same manner all the time. Then, uh, in this sutra that we practice, Buddha said, uh, uh, mindfulness of breathing is uh, one of the sixth part of physical uh, mindfulness of the body. Then uh, we begin to see the changes in our um, uh, feelings, uh, our perceptions, our consciousness, all mental activities, all of them are involved in this changing process. When one thing changes, everything changes along with that. And uh, knowing this change, seeing this change, uh, 
as it happens, uh, we begin to understand uh, that there is no uh, satisfaction in this process of mind and body. This is unsatisfactory, this is imperfect. And uh, that helps us, you know, when we see something unsatisfactory, we do not cling to it. So when the knowledge of unsatisfactoriness helps us to uh, uh, be uh, free from uh, clinging. And uh, in another place Buddha said, uh, uh, one who sees uh, the feeling as it is, one would not uh, uh, cling to feelings. When one does not feel, cling to feeling, the mind uh, uh, will not hold on to anything in the world. Because of our feeling, we hold on to things. Then uh, he said, uh, uh, not holding to things uh, will, will uh, make uh, us uh, not tired. Only when we hold on to things, our mind becomes tired. Tired of holding on to things. Then he said, Aparitasang pachatanyeva parinibhayati. When one does not uh, uh, get tired, when the mind is not tired, that mind easily will be relieved or released from uh, uh, clinging, which is the cause of all our dukkha. And Ajjapachatanga Parnibhayati uh, liberates or ceases to uh, uh, perpetuate this uh, suffering, unsatisfactoriness. Along with that, when we, since we see this uh, continuous process within, uh, changing process within ourselves in various manners, our notion of uh, self dissolves, disappears. Out of all the most difficult things to overcome, the notion of self is number one, the most difficult. And therefore that would be the last to to be realized and last to be abandoned. And through this process of watching the mind, what we watch is impermanence, because the process of watching the breathing, of course, uh, what we watch is the change, impermanence. And once we see things, uh, what we, once we see the impermanence, then we see the unsatisfactoriness, then when we see selflessness. Realizing the, these three things, 
is what is happening internally. And that, as you said, maybe one may uh, attain that in this life, one may attain in, in several lives. It is very joyful. Right? And Buddha said that Yato Yato Sammasati Khandanang Udayabhyang Labhati Piti Pamojang Amatang Tang Vijanatang. He said it is very joyful experience. One who sees the rising and falling exactly as they are. Yato yato sammasana. Sammasana means uh, reflecting. With that reflection one sees the rise and fall of everything. Of khanda namudhyabha. Khanda means these five aggregates. Rising and falling of five aggregates. Labhati piti pamojang, that individual will see, will, will gain joy and happiness. Amatang tang vijanatang, that uh, can be equated, that happiness is equal to that, nibbanic happiness. So this is very joyful, very happy state. How anger fits into greed, hatred, and delusion? Anger is uh, uh, another name for hatred. Not necessarily anger is a mild form of hatred. Anger arises all the time on, on various uh, situations, even for, for uh, over tiny little things somebody can get angry. And if somebody uh, when this anger is not taken care of then and there and, uh, uh, and uh, is allowed to be repeated over and over again, then it uh, uh, will have this uh, snowball effect and uh, turns to be hatred. When anger, if we allow anger, allow anger to build up, that built-up anger becomes hatred. So anger is a uh, uh, very mild manifestation of hatred. Hatred is the root. When we say these three defilements, greed, hatred and delusion, all other negative uh, states, uh, what I call psychic irritations, fit in this three, uh, into these three categories. Greed, for instance, when we say uh, uh, craving, uh, desire, uh, lust, uh, wanting, and so forth and so on, all come under the category of greed. 
resentment, anger, dislike, disappointment, uh, and so forth, all fall under the category of hatred. Not understanding, confusion, misunderstanding, delusion, all this come under the category of ignorance. Hmm. Yeah. How do you recommend taking care of anger in the moment? When anger arises, there are various ways of uh, taking care of anger. One is to uh, look at the anger as it arises and uh, see that anger is not something permanent. It arises and passes away, uh, just like anything else. It is impermanent. So we look at the impermanent nature of anger. Uh, for instance, when you get angry over certain things, uh, that moment, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, you will know that uh, moment is gone, the intensity of anger is gone, uh, you are changed, situation changed, persons changed, that event changed, everything is changed in 10 minutes later. So in meditation, when anger arises, we use the same technique to see that the anger is not something permanent. It is passing away along with everything else. That is one way of looking at it. Second is to see the disadvantage of anger. When anger arises, we, we, we notice anger can destroy all our good qualities. Um, there's a beautiful story of an angry woman. In that house there was a servant. This servant was so very beautiful, very beautiful and dutiful, taking care of the things every day in the house. And uh, this house uh, uh, lady in the house, uh, she gets up in the morning and sees everything you know, clean, neat and taken care of. And so she was very happy, very glad. So uh, her reputation spread around the neighborhood uh, for being very, very good, noble lady. So this servant thought, uh, I don't know whether she is really good, noble, and patient and uh, compassion and so forth, or uh, since I'm doing my things rightly, correctly, dutifully, she is pleased and therefore she has no reason to get upset. Let me try one day uh, some other different methods. So one day he, she slept a little longer and uh, this lady woke up and uh, this uh, house, uh, house servant was still sleeping. She got upset. She scolded, uh, insulted, uh, rebuked her and said, uh, you are supposed to get up early and do this, 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 this. You didn't do anything. You, uh, you didn't do any your, your duty. So she got angry and scolded her. Then this uh, servant thought, yeah, yeah, my plan is working. My plan is working. Now I can see the real color of this lady. Next day she slept a little longer, longer than the previous day. And the second day this lady was more furious than the first day and scolded her longer, insulted her longer. 
And this servant girl uh, thought, yes. Third day she slept still little longer. This woman get, got up and she was so furious, so angry, she took a broom and beat her. And, uh, you know, broke her head. Then she ran out to the road and shouted, Look at this beautiful, patient, compassionate lady has done to me. She broke my head. <laughs> out of compassion. <laughs> How nice this lady is. You all think this wonderful lady. Now look what she has done to me. So Buddha said, uh, as long as everything is going on well, correctly, somebody can practice things neatly and can be patient. When any slight little thing goes wrong, the person loses temper. So Buddha said, therefore, temper, now this lady's reputation was completely destroyed within that incident, in, in, by that incident, within a day. And she was no longer to be known as a very patient, compassionate, understanding, kind, and so forth. Buddha said, therefore, anger destroys all your principles your sealer, your morality, when you get angry. So likewise, we have to think of the disadvantages of anger. Third is we have to analyze the anger, like anything else. Why did I get angry? What is the cause, the reason? Uh, we may find out, uh, I'm very arrogant, I'm very egocentric, I have big ego, and my ego was hurt, that's why I got angry. Or I'm greedy, that's, what I go, that's why I got angry. Or I am very unwise, that is why I got angry. So we look, when we analyze the anger, the reason why we got angry, a situation and so forth, we later on realize well, it is such a stupid thing, such a foolish thing for me to get angry. There is no reason for me to get angry. This is a very simple thing. So we analyze the anger. Then uh, uh, next thing is uh, to share that something that you have with someone you get angry with. Give a gift, in other words. So you make a friend. Uh, when you, you can give a, send a birthday card, you can uh, send a get well card, you can send a hello, just a card to say hello, uh, or make a telephone call, or make a, some little effort to express your good feeling to the person. <clears throat> the fifth way is to uh, think of a great being, bigger, greater than yourself. Someone who has attained uh, higher stages of 
meditation, for instance, who maintains the patience, uh, does not get angry really, not because the person is in a cave and no people around him to make him angry. And in that situation, anybody can be patient. But not that individual, individual who lives in the society with people without getting angry. You may think of such persons. If you cannot think of anybody, think of the Buddha, who was a wonderful person. Remember the very famous uh, incident in his life, not among thousands of incidents. This uh, uh, is also a very beautiful one. A Brahmin called uh, Akkosana. Akkosana means one who does not get angry. That's the name of the person. Of course, people give uh, <coughs> names to people without very much, uh, without thinking very much. Uh, sometimes uh, somebody who uh, is um, very uh, stingy may be called uh, the generous. Name doesn't fit the person, but you call him the generous. How many white people are there whose names are black? Eh? Their names, uh, there are white people, you know, their names are black. How many black people are there whose names are white? (laughs) So people don't uh, think very much uh, about the meaning when they give names. Similarly, this man, when his parents gave him this name, they called him Akkosana. Akkosana means doesn't get angry, but he was an embodiment of anger. Very furious. Any tiny little thing can flares him up. So, he was angry with the Buddha. He was angry with the Buddha for Buddha being a Buddha. No any other reason. <laughs> he said to himself, he is so compassionate. What is the meaning of compassion? He is enlightened. What is the meaning of enlightenment? Let me go and see his enlightenment. So he went and scolded Buddha with all sort of filthy things, giving, calling him names. And Buddha listened to his scolding and then... He asked, um, Sir, do you have friends and relatives? He said, of course I have friends and relatives. Then what? He said, well, do you visit them occasionally? Surely I visit them occasionally. Do you take any gift to give them when you visit them? Well, sure, I don't go empty-handed. I take something to give to them. When you take something to give to them, and when you give it to them, if they don't accept, what would you do? Of course, I take it home and uh, use myself. (coughs) Then Buddha said, similarly, sir, you gave me a gift. I don't accept it. It's all yours. (laughs) You take them and enjoy. Take home and enjoy them. (laughs) See? So we think of a person like that, enlightened person. How relaxed he was, how um, patient he was, 
how witty he was to say what he said to this man who was angry. Then the last thing we can do, not the first thing, we, we try to do the last thing first sometimes, that is why we, we go wrong sometimes. The last thing is to practice loving-kindness when you are angry. Not, don't try to cultivate loving-kindness when you are very angry. It, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> Use all other methods and uh, calm yourself and reduce your anger. Then you may say, may my enemy be well, happy and peaceful. <laughs> but don't say it at the beginning. <laughs> if one takes those steps, then there's no need to express anger. No need to express anger. I don't um, advocate anybody to express anger. Of course, people think, people say, I must express my disapproval, disappointment. That's all right. You can use right words <clears throat> at right place to the right person with right attitude, right frame of mind to express your disappointment, express your disapproval. That's all right. You don't have, the, have to have this ingredient of anger. You leave that out of your recipe <laughs> and use the rest to express your disappointment. Anger, you work out within yourself. And some people say, uh, no, when you get angry you must express your anger. Who is in the world going to accept your anger, face your anger? You go to deal with, your, with it yourself. And if you come and uh, scold somebody, unless the person is enlightened, he is not going to take your scolding, he also will scold back. If you punch in, your nose, in his nose, he will also punch in your nose. So we, I mean, we perpetuate anger when we express anger. <clears throat> but if we deal with it within ourselves and then face the other person responds more uh, in a more friendly manner. Uh, and therefore, uh, there may not be an opportunity for us to express it, since it is our own internal thing and we deal with it internally. Yes. Any other question from this side? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. <clears throat> question about, excuse me, about isolation. You say a person who, what was the term you used, um, is in a state of isolation? I stay, yes, solitude. 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 Um, so is it possible to be in that state and still be in relationship in the world, you know, out of the world? Oh yes, I was saying, uh, especially when we uh, learn to um, 
understand the proper meaning of uh, solitude, we still can work, live in the world with people. That means uh, without, we can be uh, a part of the world uh, without um, clinging to the world. Because the world is the uh, world uh, affects our our whole being and therefore we cannot uh, totally be uh, separated from the world. We live in the world but we understand not to cling to the world. Without that clinging, understanding, uh, we still can work in the world. However, <coughs> uh, if we are attached to the world, then uh, we won't be able to liberate ourselves from attachment of any sort. Yes. If in a state of mindful awareness we see um, without bias we see atrocities and social injustices in the world what are our responsibilities to other people to act uh. without thinking? Mm social injustices uh, or um, any kind of injustice uh, we can uh, uh, we, we can uh, address, we can work with without uh, getting uh, uh, attached to them. You know, injustice, when injustices happen, uh, we see the injustice as it is. So without getting uh, uh, very uh, uh, upset or angry or clinging to the one side or the other, uh, actually <clears throat> we can never do a justice to anybody if we uh, are uh, affected by our you know, greed, hatred and delusion. We have to keep our mind uh, straight uh, to see both sides and to do justice to anybody. If we try to do justice to one side with anger and hatred and so forth, we may do injustice to the other side. We cannot do justice uh, with greed, hatred and delusion. <coughs> social justice is not uh, uh, precluded, including social justice, any justice. To be uh, to to call something justice, we have to be uh, impartial. With uh, training of in mindfulness, 
one can do that. One can do a lot of social involvement, uh, engage in social activities <coughs> with, uh, without uh, biases and prejudices and do justice to the society, to beings. Somebody or some segment of the society which is uh, 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 ignorant of it may uh, get hurt, but we have to keep the mind straight when we do the justice. Our intention, our purpose is not to hurt any segment of the society. If you don't have any more questions, we can stop here. <clears throat> and I thank you for your participation. <clears throat>